Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host on Talk Design. I started this podcast because I wanted to share the journey of design that I've had and that many others have had. And I find it inspirational talking to people globally about what makes design tick and what makes design create a better world for others. My journey has taken me from clothing globally, women's swimwear, performance sportswear, mountaineering, yachting, all these kind of genres where each place I would learn more and more about different specifics and how clothing can support those. Also, I've worked in innovation as a systematic innovation trainer and worked with the aerospace industry as well as the marketing industry and the design industry. And all my years of design, still my favorite is the built structure and interiors and years of travel and discovery, I constantly look at what the emotions are that are created by the built space. I consider myself a student of design for my whole life and will go on that way. Some of the things that I do to support this is my podcast and then workshops and masterclasses where I teach people about trends and design thinking and tours where I take people on tour with me and we go and discover different points of architecture or interior design globally. I always think that when you're passionate about something, one of the things that you should do is is you should share it. And so creating the podcast was my way of sharing my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of others and their passions around design with you. I hope you really enjoy it. And I ask you, would you please drop us a line? Tell us what you think. Tell us what got you excited. It's so inspiring when we get messages from our listeners that tell us about the things that shifted in their life because of who they listened to. And it gives me the inspiration to dig deeper and find more people that I can bring to your ears so that you live a better design life. My guest on Talk Design today is Jamie Milne. Now, Jamie is a really interesting character, and whilst he's not in the architectural industry or the design industry, he certainly is in the mindset industry, and I've had the pleasure of knowing Jamie for quite a few years, and we've often talked about getting him on the show and having a chat. He has his own podcast as well, so you'll be able to tune into that. But Jamie is a world record holder in a bizarre number of things that he's either tried to get the world record in or he has achieved the world record in. When I say bizarre, they are all based around health and fitness and challenges that would stretch your brain, let alone your body. Um, Some of them, I'm going to list a couple, Jamie, and then we can talk about them later. But um, the burpee broad jump record, uh, for those of you who don't know what burpees are, I would say take a look up doing a burpee and then just knock 10, 20 out on your kitchen floor and tell us what you think of that because 
Jamie knocked out about 4,267 of those um, to get that world record. And then also um, a skipping record because, you know, anybody can skip. How hard could it be? Just knock out 22,222 of them, make it 23. And if you can do that in under 12 hours, then you're going to beat Jamie. Um, Another one, a 100-kilometre ultra marathon. So... I'm not even going to go into that, but he carried an extra 20 kgs in the bush. Um, These things take incredible mindset way beyond just physically being able to cope with them. The mental challenges of uh, keeping going uh, something else. And we're going to talk a lot about mental challenges here today and just about how Jamie has conditioned his mind, let alone his body. Um, you know, he's just a middle-aged bloke trying to get by in life. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he has become a specialist in, uh, obviously, fitness training. But beyond that, way beyond that, is mental performance coaching. And that's where his real genius lies amongst uh, setting world records and attempting world records. You know, I said before to Jamie, you know, you shoot for Mars and you land on the moon. When you go for a world record and you miss it, it doesn't mean you didn't do the work. It just means you didn't quite get the extra one or two through that gets you the win. Yeah. So, Jamie, welcome to Talk Design. It's so cool to have you here, buddy. Adrian, thank you, mate. Thank you for the very generous uh, intro. I'm still <laughs> I'm still stuck on the middle age part, but that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. That, that came from a little chat that we had before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting where my focus went. Ah, oh, old date of birth again. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> So uh, we're just we're just just for a timeline. We're just past uh, Christmas in two thousand and twenty two, and we are second to last day of two thousand and twenty two, headed for two thousand and twenty three. So we're in the festive season, the holiday season here, and uh, it's one of excess. We were having a little laugh before the show about that as well. So Jamie, I've got a bunch of questions, of course, for you. One of the first ones is, is just give us a little bit of runway on your life. Um, by the way, Jamie has uh, spoken on many stages around the world as well, so he's got a bit of a story. So <laughs> just to tune him up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah oh. Give us a bit of runway on life because you're a Kiwi like I am and uh, we both live in Australia. We both live on the Sunshine Coast. Um, yeah, give us a bit of backstory. Yeah, cool. Um well, I was born in Rotorua, uh, which middle of the North Island. Those that know New Zealand, it's the region of the Bay of Plenty. Most people, when you speak to them about travel and and uh, wanderlust and having a look around the world, if anyone has ever been to Rotorua, it's one of those places that just engraves itself <laughs> in your memory, and that's due to the pungent aromatic smell. smell of arse and socks where <laughs> yeah. you know which is which geologically is the sulfur but it's uh yeah it's a smelly little place but i i grew up there and it was home and it was tough and challenging and um yeah it was, we, it was really... we as kids we called it rotten ruer yeah that's right Be- because that's right. it the smell of sulfur as you drive towards it smells like somebody's farted in the car you know and and it's like 
everybody's yeah. blaming the dog kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good little uh, uh, thing for the dads. They can bl- bloody sulfur. I'll tell you what, <laughs> sulfur around here. That, that westerly. <laughs> Windows up and the heater on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I went into the New Zealand Navy really young. I was I was very fortunate to um, to get in back when you didn't need any qualifications. You didn't need university entrance or anything like that. So conventional school was not my thing as a young kid in Rotorua. No boundaries, no rules. Uh, my mum left when I was really, really young. So I was raised by my dad, solo dad, which was very unusual in the late mm. 70s. Very unusual. Um, grew up in poverty, scarcity. We didn't have any money, didn't have a car. Most people knew me and my dad because he was the old boy on a push bike doubling his son on the handlebars to school. So we were well recognizable. <laughs> little brown kid on the handlebars going to school. So that was, that was, it. I grew up in adversity. I grew up in challenge, you know, it, it started and people, I mean, a hot word at the moment is resilience and tenacity yep. and, Mate, I was resilient before I even knew what resilient meant. I had no choice. That was that was the norm. That was the norm. And mm. it was, you know, in this very short uh, summary of my life, it was the catalyst that catalyzed this relationship with endurance. I, I really firmly believe it did, and that perpetuated all through my life. And as I aged, um, I... You know, I developed more tools and more resources. I just didn't really realize, you know, it's like one of those things. We can't connect the dots going forward, but we can connect them going back. So when I look through the timeline of my life, I'm like, wow. So that's why that have Ah, that makes total sense, you know. Yeah, right. You get that perspective and suddenly go, that's why that. So that's why I do that. That's why yeah, that happens. That, yeah. yeah, correct. And I'm sure your, your listeners can identify with that too, just by looking back through their own lives, um, some of the greatest challenges that we face, mm. the big mountains that we climb, like the real shit bites, the cluster fucks, the absolute fucking cl- fuck mm. clusters. They yeah. are the ones that um, we can look back with a bit of humble perspective and go, wow. If that hadn't happened, if I hadn't had that horrific divorce and the big shit fight, you know, I wouldn't have landed on this, you know, great part yeah. of my life now. So, so I was one of those people. I, I was fortunate to get into the Navy uh, where I learned, you know, the basics, how to iron my clothes, how to wash myself properly. Cause you know, it's not something even I was taught that as a kid. When that mum figure is not there to show you, you know, you put the soap under there and under the bells and whistles and give it a good clean and yep. short back and sides, like all those little basics I, I didn't have. So the the military became my, it became almost like my, yeah, my educational tool. Yeah. My, it filled in all those, all those gaps that um, were missing from just your upbringing. Yeah, and I was extremely grateful to the New Zealand military, and, and I spent seven and a half years in there doing my bit for God, Queen, and country, and um, and, and Winston Peters, obviously. <laughs> 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 Thanks, so, Winston. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Uncle Winnie, and then um, and then yeah, and then and then into my own travel under my own steam. Um, yeah. 
turbulent relationship with alcohol um, specifically, but didn't mind a, a, a few party drugs and you know all this type of stuff as I as I um, moved along in life. Moved along in life, did a lot of travel, um, but I I had this relationship as i mentioned before with with endurance i think i did my first 10 kilometer run with my grandfather when i was eight and that that was my first taste of um yeah the endurance sports i suppose uh since subsequently so, since so go, just stop on that one 10 yeah, kilometer yeah. run with your grandfather mm. so you're brought up by your dad but your yeah. grandfather had you out there running 10 kilometres. Correct. What was the go there? <laughs> the go? He, um, oh, he was a remarkable man, Adrian, like such a, such a powerful influence on my life. And at his funeral, I um, did the eulogy. And, and when I, to summarise him, I, he, I referred to him and I think of him as unapologetically masculine. Yep. But a true gentleman. He he was a gentle man, and to go back to where I was born and raised, it it's 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 the hub, it's the heart of Maori culture. Mm. Um, there's a lot of brown Indigenous people in Rotorua, and I and I absolutely loved it. My grandfather was Scottish. He was about five foot two. Uh, about five foot two wide as well, yeah, and and Scottish, so he as and, white as a snowflake. Yeah, that's right, pantomime white. Yeah, and he, <laughs> he coached footy, refereed it, like in a tough town with gangster, yeah. and he he I never ever saw him flinch. I've seen him blow the whistle, red card comes out, he's kicking off members of the mongrel mob. And he was Scottish, so he'd be like, right, get off of there, you're off. Like, get off of there. <laughs> and I'll be at the sideline watching the game, like all the seven or eight going, He's going to die. He's going to die. We're not going home. Like, someone's going to fucking have to walk home. I'm going to, my grandfather's going to get shanked. Like, what the fuck? And he, but then in the same token, we'd be driving down the main street and there's Mavis with the fucking, the rinse. The blue rinse set. The, the blue rinse. And he'd pull over and, and offer these strangers rides in the car to get them home. Yeah, you know, well. he, he loved, um, most of us have seen the movie The Notebook. I love yep. it. I love a good romantic. I just chuck on the skip <laughs> out and get the tissues ready and the wet wipes and away we go. <laughs> so, no, sorry, I'm not sure what the wet wipes are all about. Tissues. <laughs> anyway, and, and I watched that. I had my own version of the notebook uh when when i as i grew up my grandfather loved my my nanny fiercely and it was i got to witness i got to witness that and it was beautiful and unfortunately the um my grandmother got their early onset uh alzheimer's and and so from about the age of 10 I, I saw the the slippery slope, the sliding scale of mm. our loved ones get these the disease of forgetfulness. But you know, as I mentioned, I got I also got to you know, in all things balance in life and in the universe. I, I through this pain, um, I witnessed, um, yeah, I, I, I witnessed my grandfather 
his unconditional love, his support, his nurturing of of his wife as she slowly declined. And so, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's quite incredible. But <clears throat> in fact, sorry, Adrian, went off on no, the No, no, no. I think it's, well, it, it leads to something else as well, which we'll get back to. Yeah. Yeah. But he he had a passion for the trails and, and running and keeping fit. And, again, I think when we're subjected to these influences so young when we're so suggestible, like little sponges as kids, we take all this on board and and, and we really do. It can be a blessing or a curse. Mm-hmm. You know, life's great. We can take some great stuff on. And well, it's like shit. A, a blessing or a curse, but it can be that's a choice. Correct. That's totally. a choice. And even if it uh, feels like a curse in the moment, maybe it can be a blessing in the future. Totally agree. Well mm. said. Yeah, mm. totally agree. So, yeah, so that was that was my introduction. And, and it never really, even in my partying days and running around like a fucking lunatic, I, I never lost that insatiable passion for for exercise and especially the stuff that, that goes, goes longer. Yeah. Yeah, the endurance part, and as you said, like built with resilience, built in, <laughs> yeah. oh, but not necessarily born with it, but certainly grabbed it in the first five years. And yeah, that's right. That that's right. sets the tone, and then to um, take mastery over that, or, or take mastery with it, and then create a life that actually teaches other people how to bring their resilience up and how to master that and put it into uh, their goal setting and their life values and those pieces. In a world where we are, I want to say, becoming softer, not tougher, uh, maybe mentally the stresses are making us a different beast. However, the physical, you know, we we talk about creature comforts, you know, like... We've uh, we've got a we've very abundant society of, for most of us, and we are all about the finest creature comforts that we can lay our hands on. And then certainly in you know many industries, we're about creating those creature comforts for people as well. And that's uh, in the belief that it makes life better. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, a bit of a paradox. Yeah, <laughs> more on, however you want to look at it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so from all that, you decided to actually make this whole space something that was your life. Uh, so having that built-in resilience and then taking on uh, big challenges. And there's a turning point somewhere in this story where I know I know part of your story as to what made you turn, uh, but then it was how can you take this and give it and give it back to other people? How can you do something beyond yourself with it? So instead of just looking inwardly at yourself, you started to look outwardly at the world and went, how can I help others with this? Um, Tell me about that part of the journey. Yeah. Uh, because I think most people meet it. Look, we've got a lot of, on this show, we've got a lot of designers and, mm. you know, design for designers is, you know, easy. It's what they do. It's no different from you going, um, well, I'm committed to doing something and running a marathon or whatever it is. You go, yeah, I can do that. I'll get off and do it. 
and for designers it's a similar thing you know it's like you start a process and you work on it and you but it's not something that's necessarily um hard what it is is you run out of things to design for yourself so you start thinking i'll design them for other people that's kind of you know what i mean like as a kid you might draw some pictures or make some cardboard models or whatever it is do songs you know write songs do poetry all these things and at some point you start to look more outwardly and go well how could I help others with that and that's when you know like you form businesses or you know you um, form collectives and you have groups of people that do things that create for other people and certainly you know one of the motivations for that will be the dollars that um, you need to earn a living some way to support yourself and support your family and things. The other side of it, though, is you could just go and do a job for somebody and earn the dollars and then just focus on yourself on the other side of it and just do things for self. But in your case, you've gone, well, how do I actually take what I've done or am doing? Because it's a journey, not a destination. What I am doing, and how can I re-deliver that back to other people for their growth and for their mindset and for their health and their wealth in life? You know, how do you do that? What What was the turning point that such turned a, on that light? Yeah, such a great question, and a and and very big too. So very, yeah. very big question, which is it's a good one. Eat the I elephant think- slowly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if you're a, uh, a vegan, uh, yeah, don't eat the elephant for God's just sake. Just a fucking leaf at a time. A bit <laughs> of fibrous veg, little you bit. You don't have to take the whole tree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can't have the whole bag of spinach. You can do the one leaf at a time. One. Um, so, look, it's one of those things. You touched on it actually really, really well. It does. It doesn't always. I, in my perspective, I don't believe it always starts with self. For people, although that would be if I was to give somebody advice or make a suggestion, I, I would say it does start with self first, self before others. There's a, I think it's a, I think it's a universal law. They call it the law of the one to the many. Yeah. Starting with me first yeah. before we. Yes. The Inus before the weeness. Or the meanest before the <laughs> before the weenus. Yeah, before the weenus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the one to the many, the self to others is it's a concept that a lot of us struggle with. Um parents are probably and this is the thing, fuck here we go. Now you've you've opened poked, the can of worms. You've poked the bear now. <laughs> like we were on the Qantas flight, fucking flying back to New Zealand, and you're sitting there and you hear uh Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Captain Adrian speaking on Qantas Flight 1942. In the highly unlikely event of an emergency, when the fucking oxygen mask falls out of the ceiling, please be sure to put it on yourself first before you put it on the weenus. Yes. Put it on the inus first before you give it to the weenus, which is a great metaphor for self first, then mm. others. If we go others first... And parents are obviously probably well, more than likely the, the worst at this. Oh, I've got to put well, the kids first, kids first, kids yep. first. If we put others first, that's like putting the fucking cart before the horse. Yep. That horse, that good old South Canterbury Clydesdale is going fucking nowhere. So 100%. horse first, you know, then the cart. Yep. 
So like you were saying for designers, yeah, I get it, you know, being creative, drawing, doing the thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have people have this realisation, I actually really love this. I'm actually pretty good at this. And, and yeah, like you said, yeah, maybe I can, you know, I can make, I can make help it somebody else with it. Yeah. I can help somebody else with this. And in the context of my life, it was my pain that led me to my purpose. Mm. And it really was. It was, it was my pain. And as they say, on the other side of pain is new life. On the other side of adversity mm. and challenge is opportunity, is, is growth. So this is the dichotomy of the world we live in. There, there is, there is the, the universe is looking for equilibrium everywhere. Dark, light, positive, negative, yin, yang. It's not just fucking yin. He's got his mate there, yang. Yeah, 100%. Masculine, feminine. Yeah, I could go on. There's always yep. two sides to a coin. Yeah. Just one side. So life is not one-sided. And when I realized that, yeah, on this other side of my pain, and I water it down as a 44-year-old man, yeah, I water it down. I, I, I fly over it in very, very swiftly and rapidly. But my life was fucked. It was a fucking shit fight. Like, like, like I cannot begin. I hear people talk about it. <laughs> Almost want to grab my kids now. They fucking don't don't wish for anything. Then it's like take the back and go. Yeah, have a crack at night. Have it. Yeah. There <laughs> yeah, you go. Yes. <laughs> There's no fucking iPhone 14 Pro. Like you're lucky if you've got a fucking couple of slices of bread. Like yeah, yeah it was really brutal. It was brutal. But I look back. Like I said, with humble perspective and with a large amount of appreciation, and think, thank fucking God that that shit fight was as big as it was, because the the new life, the opportunity on the other side of the pain is is so awesome now. Like yeah. I, I live, and call it a utopian life, but I, I'm living my best life. And to 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 steal the the name of the, uh, the your podcast and what you do, I live my life by design. Yeah, yeah, this it's choice. Life. Yeah, my, my choice. I wake up and do the shit I love. If I'm not huffing and puffing and doing breath work and sucking my fucking kidneys up into my neck, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm surfing. I'm meditating. I'm before people have woken up and turned the phone off. I've gone for a run. I've got the fucking t-shirt medal and the certificate. Been there, done it. Doing my my life by choice, not by chance. Yeah, but it's taken a, a a long time. It's and and I've had to roll around in my own shit for metaphorically, obviously. <laughs> for the weirdos out maybe there, so, maybe sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but it but it's true. It, yeah. And to talk about shit, here we go. Like yeah. fucking talk about shit. It's like when you're a toddler, right? And you shit yourself, and you sit there and. <laughs> this is an architecture podcast we're not talking about shit but metaphorically i sit there in my own shit in my nappy or you know whatever yeah. for the people that are in pants and yeah. you sit there and initially it's like huh it's actually quite nice it's not so bad it's warm hey hold on a minute this is actually quite warm and uh, I, I feel this is actually I can, I can find a bit of comfort and this is not bad but the longer you stay there, what happens? Longer you stay there, it's like, whoa, 
<laughs> it doesn't smell good. Oh, this does it's not, not smell good. It's not as comfortable anymore. It's not warm anymore. Yeah. It's actually really uncomfortable. And the people around you are like, oh. Nobody right. likes you, yeah. No one yeah. likes you. You don't want to hang around because the old mate shit himself and he's just sitting there and he's not doing anything about it. And then it gets cold and it sort of cakes on and it starts to get really, really uncomfortable and almost borderline painful. And you've got to do something about it. Or I had to do something about it. Mm. So I was tired of sitting in my own shit. The the shit story, the shit, you know, poor yeah. me. Yeah. And, I, and I'd had enough of it. So I got the gurney out, give mm. myself a little touch-up, put some clean clothes on, and start to use that that experience as fuel. That was a terrible metaphor. I apologize. I don't think it was. I think it was actually pretty interesting. <laughs> and yeah. It's so true because, you know, it, as a metaphor, it's an extreme end of it because, you know, people aren't sitting necessarily in their own shit. However, we are all sitting in some of our own shit in some part of our life in some way. And the thing that came to me early on when we were talking was around um, my wife, as you well know, is a you know, coach, uh, business coach. And I remember her, you know, in her coaching journey early on, having this realization that we often live um, in, in sort of cemented moments. So yeah. when this happens, you act like the 14-year-old you were when that first actually triggered you. And yeah. you you now might be, you know, 54 years old, but you still, when that trigger hits, you're back as a 14-year-old behaving in a certain way. And you yeah. haven't grown through that experience or you haven't adjusted and, and taken on that. And that's sitting in your own shit if that's a negative thing and holding you in that space. Mm -hmm. You're sitting in, you know, if you're you're 44 and you're sitting in 30 years of the same shit that you've justified and held on to and it's holding you in a position of reactiveness not choice that's right that's the that's that difference it's like you might choose to sit in that shit and yeah. own that shit but you're aware of it but it still stinks yeah and it's still shit yeah and that's you know, and I, when when you talk about you know like the triggers and things like that, I always think of them as like teachers, because it grabs it grabs our past, like you said, and just fucking throws it in the now. It's like mm. oh, here's that stuff from way back then, mm. that shit from way back then, throws it in your lap right here, right now, as we sit here, and it's like ah oh, fuck, but it's an illusion. It's not here anymore. It's, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, it's only in your head. Yeah. And we then it, it it drives your emotions at that point because it drives your feelings of how you feel about yourself or how you feel about others and how others feel about you because of the outward reactions you take. Um, you know, I, I have this big, in the design space, this big thing about being very aware of your of the emotion of a space. Like what what does that space do for you as a human being? And if you aren't in touch with your emotions or can't get in touch with your emotions and actually understand why they've usually been conditioned and formed. Um, I don't know that you're born with a wide range of emotions that you're very clear on. Yeah. We certainly pick them up along the journey and expectations and lost opportunities and stuff create different emotional states in us. Mm -hmm. And with what you are saying is how do we get so that we've got clarity 
this is how I see it. How do we get to have clarity and to know that we're capable of challenging new things as well as living with what we've got and modifying what we've got to give ourselves a better life. Yeah. To, yeah. to live our best life. Yeah. I love what you said there about clarity. Um, cause I think that, cause if we're thinking of a starting point, I mean, for my life, I, mm. I to, to pin it on one pivotal poignant event would be a challenge. I think it was a cumulative. 100%. I think it is for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Lots, of, lots of things. Um, but the like, old saying, you know, man's an island or whatever it is, you know, like there's too many things that influence everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 great and great saying. The, but ha- having clarity of, I suppose, taking an inventory of where we are now, Okay, right here, right now, what am I doing? What's this all about? And where the fuck am I going? Yes, yes. We're like meaty laptops. It's yeah. like we've got these little cool things that do little googly searches in our heads. And 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 this is the great thing about our, our minds, both consciously and unconsciously. One, it doesn't know the difference between real and fake, mm. so, which is the fundamentals of like your your PTSDs, your post-traumatic stresses, triggers, things like that, because... Those we, things are gone. They're not fucking here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Problems and issues are perceptions, <clears throat> illusions. They don't exist. You can't... Like if you said to me now, um, you know, Jamie, I was... Uh, and please take this with a grain of salt. I'm just to pull the handbrake here, but <laughs> just say you had a really shit, significant emotional event ten years ago. Yep. Uh, I don't know. Like we were talking about Israel before. You were yep. there yep. at the and say something really fucking shit happened, and that yep. has had a significant effect on you, and it has perpetuated to the day we sit here at the end of twenty two, talking about custard and excessive <laughs> Christmas and shitting ourselves and all these types of amazing things. But all of a sudden, I say something, and you're like, "Oh, that's right, that time in Israel," and you start getting all weird on me because. Yep. You're because it's triggered. Thank you. Yeah, it's triggered, right? The thing is, it's not real. It's in your mind. It's an illusion. And there'll be heaps of people, listeners, going, yeah, fucking cool story, bro. You don't understand my life back then and fucking da 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 Out comes the story. So the mind doesn't know the difference between real or fake. Yeah. In an example, a very easy example is you and I are watching a horror movie and we're sitting at home. Cuddled <laughs> up on the couch. <laughs> so we're watching with a bowl of custard. That's right. With a sharing your spoon. Yeah. <laughs> some some banana bread. Yeah. Some banana bread croutons and the custard and the chocolate. <laughs> yeah. so we're sitting there watching this movie, and then we're like, the scary bits are happening, and we're both like, oh, like yes. holding on to each other because we're freaking yep. out. But then someone walks in and just watches us from the side of the room. And with no idea what we're doing. No idea. And like, what the fuck are these two idiots? Exactly. Like, because there's no boogeyman. There's no, but our mind does not. So we start to get all of the emotional response. We get the physiological reactions. We get all this weird shit happening based off something that is not real. Because the mind. Because it's just a, it's our mind. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, 
we're stimulated by a, the story or the the vision of the story and all the rest and then we that's the best thing about watching a, a movie of any kind is when you can just be I want to say present with it. That sounds really wrong when yeah. it's a movie, doesn't it? Yeah, but yeah. Just be present with it. And probably a, I'd say a song is even better. Um, but if you can just be really present with it in that moment, then you actually go on the journey with it. And That's right. you, you actually let yourself run into the thing because there's so much safety in it because you know it's going to finish or you know it's going to stop or whatever. You can go on the journey with it. And often you know those event things that you were like you're referring to um if we were doing that you know like and we were sitting there on that sofa 10 years later we would remember because so and so came in the room and saw us like hugging on the sofa in fear um but they didn't realize what we were watching that's right um because their perspective wasn't from the right side of the room well, emotions, yeah, emotions. Yeah. But we'd remember the event. That's right. It's because so, of them. And, right. yeah. and the more powerful the significance of the emotional event or the response, the more we will retain it. It's like I said this the other day, probably to the wrong person, my 24-year-old son, we were talking about him as the strength and conditioning coach. And I said to him, because he's very good and he's yep. very technical and he's done all the, the bells and whistles and the flashing lights and he loves to talk about the posterior chain and the erector spinae muscles and fucking this does that and this does that while I'm sticking pins in my eyes falling <laughs> listening to him. And I was doing my best to get him to become aware of people, yeah, you get the odd fucking weirdo that's going to love hearing about how the muscle fibers are doing their thing. Yeah, People... People will remember how they feel, how 100%. you make them feel. And he said, oh, what do you mean by that? And I said, oh, and we were talking about emotions. And I said, well, do you, do you remember when 9-11 happened? <laughs> Fucking looked at me with a vacant stare. Yeah. I was like, the Twin Towers. I was like, fuck, that's right, you weren't even born. <laughs> yeah. And I said, the thing is, you can talk to anybody, like yeah. even your listeners now. They'd yeah. be like, where were you when 9-11, 9/11 happened? Bang. They're like, yeah, I was here. I was doing this. Da, da, da. Princess Diana, when yep. she died, bang. Yep. Go straight yep. there. Boom. The memory. And this is the thing about memories. Memories are things that we remember. We put the bits back together. And memories are holographic. So mm. when we have the visualization in our mind, it's it's holographic. And the problem with memories, and it is a little bit of a problem, is that they are always different when we go back to them. It's like Wikipedia. It's like yes. someone has got in there and changed it. And like, it's like when you speak to your siblings and you're like, fuck, remember that blue bike we had? Yeah. Uh, yep. we and old mate, the sister or the brother's going to be like, it wasn't fucking blue. It, it was, was green. green. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was green. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah. no, it wasn't. And yeah, so it's kind of like putting. A memory is like putting something in the fucking thermomix without a lid on and just going, shit goes goes, goes everywhere. Goes everywhere. So it's not an accurate recount. It's not an accurate recount. It's just of our of our emotional state at that time. That's where environment. That's right. So fundamentally it is the emotions that are driving that. And emotions, I mean, there's lots of different perspectives about emotions, but I've I've come to believe that emotions 
are imbalanced perspectives or imbalanced awarenesses. Because mm. talk about the dichotomies of two things being present at all times, and it's at all times. Mm. Polar opposites. We gotta, we've got to love someone to hate them. We've got yeah. to hate them to love them. There's a sinner, yeah. there's a hero and a villain. Yeah. In everyone. That that makes life um pretty simple, isn't it? And everybody on Instagram's just showing their um their hero side. Yeah. It's just yeah. just thinking about how uh, again how our lives have uh, uh um I wanna say driven or been driven. And there was something that we were talking about last night where we had a group of people we're hanging out with and um, people were talking about, and I'll probably get this a bit wrong, but it will go close, even if I get it a Memory bit wrong. Just went in the third yeah, moment. Yeah, oh. yeah, did, yeah, I'm trying to remember every detail of it. Yeah, um, best recollection. We, we were talking about uh, people being stressed and about younger kids. You know, when I say kids, you know, let's just go. 20, your son's age down we'll just call them kids and I'm sure there's kids listening to this so sorry about that but we're just going to go the the difference in how people are interacting and anyway we're having this bit of a discussion and saying about you know how the kids would the example was was drive to somebody's house and the gates closed and they've got their phone there with them and they text the person rather than phoning them yeah. to check that they can come in the gate. And it's yeah. like, just phone them. The fear of talking to people has gone up mm. massively. And yet it's how fundamentally we were taught, you know, our, our DNA and our structure and gave us a voice so that we could actually communicate and ears so we could listen, not just eyes so we could read. Uh, because there's the nuances in language and there's the nuances in tonality and all these things that come with that that are a fuller experience and how we've got we've got a generation of people arriving on uh in this place now. When I say arriving, I mean they've they've grown and they've got to this place where to actually have a, a conversation has got some fear in it because yeah. they so as this conversation went along my wife said oh she just watched this amazing thing when somebody asked the Dalai Lama um, about the stress and of anxiety and uh, he said that if you were to look outside of yourself to help others your anxiety goes away completely correct because it's incredible isn't it like and so whenever we're feeling anxious about something where are we looking inwardly yeah that's right we're all focused on self instead of focused on the bigger picture yeah. and um others i love that mate and i and and to give to give an example i i learned like yeah learned this principle when I was getting into a bit of public speaking and, and then this is the thing about being human. Like I was just about to say, yeah, I learned this a while ago, but I still get it. Like I even had it this morning. I started to think 
got to make sure I'm fucking switched on, got to be sharp, got to be, you know, am I going to get, is the lighting in here all good? Is the, you know, which it's obviously not. (laughs) All of these types of things. Clearly you couldn't fix everything. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I didn't have enough product. Over here. Yeah, and I was thinking to myself, so I started, right? I started chasing. Built this up. And then I realised, that I was thinking about myself and my self-image and all this other shit. And then I reminded myself, it's not about me today. It's about we. It's about the weeness. The weeness. So you and your listeners, what can, you know, what's the value I can give them? And do I truly want to impact and pass on little gems from my life to my friend Adrian and yeah. his in his listeners? And the answer was yes. And any time I've ever spoken, done public speaking, any time I've ever felt anxious or nervous or afraid, it's because I've been fucking thinking about myself. About mm-hmm. Lower mm-hmm. abdominal bloating, like is my is my. Is my <laughs> Did I have too much? <laughs> Did I fucking? <laughs> Did I fucking put too much fucking dal on my curry? Like is the have they caused lower? Is that a roti? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I have two pieces of naan, not one? You know, are my fucking chinos too tight? Is my fucking in my skin? It's, it's a, but it's a it's an epidemic of um thinking. Yes, of, you know, and yeah. As soon as I think about the people, is my message going to impact? Like people are sick of fucking information. There's too yep. much information. It's like, can I give these people a transformation? Yep. Are they going to listen and go, fuck yeah, that was fucking sensational. I got this from it. Yeah. I got this. Adrian yep. and Tammy, you two are a pack of fucking horror movie watching champions. <laughs> Have you? Because, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the whole thing I, I, I often say with doing the podcast and it comes back to a similar thing, I get... Um, from the conversations I have with people, I always get a bunch of golden nuggets that I, you know, I take for me that I go, oh, wow. And what I find is most fascinating with it is I could just have these conversations with people. I don't have to record them. I don't have to publish them. I don't have to do any of those things. I'd still get my golden nuggets. When I get uh, listener feedback and they say, Oh, I heard this. It's a bit like the the story about what colours the bike. Yeah. I go, well, I heard it too, but I never heard it. Yeah. And then they'll highlight a, a something. I, I got this from it, or this I found was the biggest breakthrough that I found in that message. And I'm like, shit, I didn't even hear that because I was too busy hearing something else. Yeah. And then I'll go back and, and hear it again from their perspective and get more growth from it. And so sharing it is, I get it anyway. It's sharing it is, is can somebody else gain something from that journey of the conversation? And if they can, that's the whole, that's the whole reason. That's the. And in your line of work too, Adrian, like we talk about three things that the human being can control. And in psychology, they call it the locus of control or the loci of control. Three things are perspective, our our decisions or basically what we make things mean 
and our actions. They are the only three things we can control. Everything else, controlling other people as much as we'd like to, we can't. Can't control the fucking weather, especially yep. not on the coast. So all <laughs> we can control <clears throat> is us, right? Yep. But perception is a beautiful thing, though it makes us all unique and different. And in your line of work in architecture and design and the incredible things that you do, hence the saying like art is in the eye of the beholder. We can mm. both look at it the same fucking thing. You're Jeez. seeing something. I'm seeing something completely different. When when I work with with people in the mental performance world, I'll start generally around this topic, and I'll use something simple. And watch this, Adrian. Think about water. Yep. I'll think about water too. What do you get? My water bottle. Did you? First thing I went, I went think about water. Oh yeah, here's my water bottle. Well, I thought about surfing. So that and I'm a surfer as well. That was yeah, when my second that. thought went was yeah. um had, I, I went through a little thing that went through my mind after I thought about my water bottle was I checked the surf report before I got on here this morning <laughs> to check what the wind was doing because I know we've got somewhere between three and five foot of swell. I yeah. know that we're on low tide now. So yeah. I'd done all that pre-thinking before on yeah. yeah surfing yeah maybe if that wind stays out maybe it's going to be a bit messy still but maybe somewhere around about ten thirty yeah. would be a great time to be in the water maybe a bit yeah. earlier you know like do you, see how, do you see how that was one word one word and so yeah. I've done it in rooms fucking hundreds of people I've done it in just intimate settings and you no know, two people are the same so we might. So we both were eventually going to land on surfing, but I do it. Yeah, the green room. I'm thinking about getting my head wet and being, you know, getting fucking dunking it in there and trying to yep. act like 18. So, and you wonder why we can't understand text messages. You wonder why we can't fucking have conversations with people and agree on shit because we're so fucking different. Such and a this good is point. The, the the mind. One word. Yeah, that's so cool. I that's really one love word. That. Let alone yeah. if I try and fucking hit you with a sentence. Or I text it. Or yeah. so when we when we perception works, and it's good to talk even in an architect architectural mm. design, we have we have a foreground and a background. So if we think about design and creativity, we look at something. It's almost like reading a book, right? Mm -hmm. When we read a book. We, we read the foreground. So you and I can read the same fucking words. You and I can look at the same atrium yep. and go, huh. So we're both looking at it going, fuck yeah. That's in the, in the background. I'm creating a narrative and a story based off my, you know, all everything I've experienced in my life through what we call an internal representational system. So our filters, our yes. sense. Yeah, see, feel, taste, smell. So I've create this, and I create the background, the story, and it's always going to be different because I haven't lived your life, and nor have you lived mine. I respect you enough to to listen to your story and go, well, fucking hell, Adrian's the authority, he's the expert on architecture and design. He knows what's going on with this fucking atrium. I don't, so I'll, I will listen. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. we've got you're open to the learning at that point. Yeah, the foreground and the background. And here's the thing: this is where it gets a little complex. Well, not complex, but it gets interesting. The one thing that is permanence in this world 
And we've both got a really good friend, uh, Bruce Campbell. Yep. And I always remember him doing a fucking Texas American accent with this. And he was saying, And oh, you're going to do it. I'm going to have a <laughs> crack at it. So have I'll a crack. Bruce, Bruce from Mumbai. Bruce, you're on the podcast already been- back there in the early episodes. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure you're a listener. So um, let's, let's, up, let's, yeah, let's, uh, Let's let Jamie butcher you here. <laughs> <laughs> like, where's my hat and my fucking pocket hole shoes? Bruce will say the only thing that's permanent in this world is death and taxes. Yep. It's a terrible Texas accent. <laughs> I'm a married living in Australia. Anyway, <laughs> death so, and taxes, though, yep. They're yeah. Certain. Death and taxes, but the, the, the only true thing that is permanent is that we are changing. We are constantly evolving. The Adrian that jumped on here with me talking about an hour ago is different from yeah, totally different, completely different. Which which means if we are constantly in a process, right? And I'll use the the reference of the the book reading again. That seems to make sense to me. I yeah, hit, quick story. I read my first self help book when I was about ten. So I was starting to go off the rails. Auntie of mine said, fucking read this. And it was The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. Right. Yes. Great book. 10 years old. Mm -hmm. Little Jamie in Rotorua reading. And I thought, you know, I got more chance of fucking flying in the air than reading this book. But it grabbed me. And I'm like, fuck me. This is really good. And I loved all the little bits in it. At some point. So at 10 years old, it opened up your thinking. It opened. How it, incredible was that? It was amazing. And it was key little things in it that grabbed me instantly. So I read this book, right? And you talked about something earlier on. You said, you know, things, a lot of things are different. Things. So what, I read this book at 10, and it meant something then that rhymed. That was cool. And then <laughs> I've, I've read it again over the years, right? It could probably half a dozen times, give or take. And now about a year ago, I read the book again. So 43, I read the book again. What the book meant to me at 43 was fucking significantly. It was the polar opposite of what I took from it at 10, right? Yeah, right. But here's the thing, Adrian. Here's the thing. Oh, I'm getting excited because it's making sense now. Did the words in the book change? Fucking no, definitely not. not. Same it's words. Exactly shit, the same words. Toilet. Same yeah. shit, different toilet. So then at 43, totally different. I could have read a completely fucking different book. It was a whole new book. And in fact, parts of it bored me. Could, I was like, eh. Could you remember um, going back? So, you know, you've got this 33-year gap. Could you remember the, the actions you took? And the decisions you made at 10 based off what you read? No, the only thing I can remember is that it had moved me. Something in me was shifted. Something changed. It was it was like the pebble in the pond. It was, yeah. it, to say it was um a huge like a, it definitely wasn't a catalyst it was just something moved it was kind of like you got a new perspective on something yeah it's like this is my vision widened a little bit but enough to like i lost that book and then i bought it again a few yeah. years 
overseas, maybe I read it again, loved it, and then got curious about. So I suppose it 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 started a narrative of curiosity, um, a narrative of learning. I was kind of like, fucking, hold on a second, and and yeah, I I suppose I suppose it really really did. But I think I was going to say I love that. Like, hey, you can pinpoint that at 10, it, it, there was something that started. I love that. And oh, that's God, a young time. That. That's young. You know, like I think um, unless you were brought up in a home where there was a lot of, you know, that kind of environment, mm. then most people's self-development journey starts a lot later than that. Although today... I think with a health and fitness movement, you know, which really I suppose took off in the seventies, um, yeah. was was its kind of birthplace. But that health and fitness movement uh, that has happened has given people different on roads into self development because whilst they're looking probably very inwardly at themselves when they go on a health and fitness journey, which yeah, you know, they'll be motivated by something that um, either they don't have or they want to have or um, something that they a goal they're after. It's probably one of the first places with sports and and um, your own health where you start to look at yourself as a human being and start to develop. Mm. And whilst it's not seen so much as development of mind, it is seen as development of body and but you can't really take that development of mind uh, sorry of body without having development of mind as well because it takes discipline it takes you know all the things you said about the navy it takes all those those points to be put into line to actually achieve we're probably very fortunate in a in a world currently where you know you could choose to enter that through yoga you could enter it through pilates you could enter it through weightlifting you could enter it through bodybuilding you know you could enter it through running um there is just a multitude of places you know swimming whatever it is that you could enter into your self-development and probably already have but whether you've got that um that perspective where you're working mind and body at the same time. And that thing you said about the foreground and then the background story as well. You know, somebody goes and and goes to say yoga um, and the background story is they're doing, you know, sorry, the foreground, they're doing a bunch of stretches and moves. The background story is, is they're connecting with space and time. And by doing these moves, they or stretches and moves, they are um, discipline, and then they are also designed to connect you with space and time. So, just so fascinating that as a as a way into things, uh, it's become easier or more prevalent. Yet, I don't know that people really see it as being a self development journey for their mind. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a it's a good point. <clears throat> I think it's one of those things, Adrian. Like like anything, and look, I'll, I'll bring it bring it back to architecture again. It's and you uh, and you had said earlier on about clarity. It's like mm. you know, 
here I am now. This is or here here's the blueprint. Is that what you call it? blueprint? You yeah, know, plan. Yeah, plan, plan. Here's the plan, and this is this is where it is. This is where I am now, or this is where the plan is now, and this is where I want to go. Mm-hmm. This is what the end result's going to look like, and it's it's that clarity of vision. Mm-hmm. Why is it important enough? So when even when you're talking about fitness and things like this, this is why people um, neglect the health of their mind and body because at this time in their life, it's not important enough to them. You know, contrast can be a great motivator. Sickness, disease, these things will fucking get people moving. And we've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. Mm, get it oh, fuck, bring on the kale, bring on the breath yeah. work, bring on the <laughs> Like, dude, like, prevention is better than the cure. Response yep. is better than reacting. By the time you react, it's too fucking late. Yeah, yeah. So having a clarity of vision, and I love the word congruent, being congruent, having congruency, you know, does the way, and you, it, oh, God, I'm going to all of such great topics, by the way. <laughs> oh, so. Yeah, when you're talking about the yogi bending and stretching and fucking turning themselves into a pretzel, you're yep. right. In the foreground, they're looking. They're going, okay, yeah, old mate's bending and stretching. Yeah, no fucking, he's good. Yeah, this, this is great. Love the ambience environments. Fantastic. Love what they've done with the lights over there. Lycra's the good. Yeah. Lycra's good. There's a <laughs> couple of moose knuckles in the corner there I'm not too happy about. So, oh, mate, <laughs> the retired chartered accountant, he's in the corner with turning himself. <laughs> so he's over there. But in the background is a narrative. So their experience from this day all the way backwards through their life of anything they've experienced, you know, activity-wise, yoga-wise, stretching-wise, fitness-wise, health-wise will be playing. All the times they've dropped the ball and shit the bed and quit on exercise, that's a... Yeah. I'm going to come back to this anyway. I don't really like fucking... I don't like the lights here. I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. They get the stories going... But when we have a clarity of vision, right, and it's important enough, people are able to endure. So I love endurance. Endurance mm-hmm. by definition is the mm-hmm. way to endure. It's hanging on when every fucking thing in you screams, done, quit, fuck them out. You know, imagine you see, and you're making all those excuses in your yeah. mind. Yeah, and excuses yeah. Are like assholes. Everybody's yeah. got one. They're flowing yeah. thick and fierce. Yeah, and it's having the ability to challenge those excuses. It's like having a plan for the designers out there. Having a plan, and a couple of things go fucking sideways. Council, yeah. divine wisdom, come sliding in the front door and go. Oh, bah, 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 hold on a fucking. Yeah, second. you're not doing that here, or this oh, has changed, you, or that fucking. Well, tattoo. you know, every every designer will get this one so clearly. Um, <laughs> that usually you deal with couples, not always, but often you're dealing with couples. And if you're not dealing with couples, you're dealing with committees, you're dealing with groups of people. And, you know, you're trucking along and everything feels fine and everybody's kind of seems to be moving in the same direction. And then you meet, doesn't matter who they are, and they go, I just don't fucking see that or I just don't understand that. I just don't, there's, I can't live with that. Um, And they've got an emotional story 
that is overbearing and all of a sudden all the work that you've done they're on a journey of discovery yeah. and whilst they're on that journey of discovery there's suddenly a point when they move themselves to really seeing themselves in this position of what you're what you're proposing for them and at that point they may be at odds with their partner as well they may be at odds with a whole lot of things but there's some triggers that come up and then you go oh shit we're actually right back at square one now yeah even though we've done all this discovery which is part of the journey that's why you know designing a a home or a, a place it, it's a marathon it's not a you know it's it's not a sprint it's a marathon and it's complex and it's uphills and it's around corners and there's bloody potholes and there's there's everything that you would find um in any other journey yeah and in doing that it's um it, it's got its own point of disruption just like you're saying and the the reasons to that's good enough or well just give up and to not be rigorous and to not be open to every challenge uh that comes along or solving every challenge and finding innovative ways to do things hmm. that's the design journey side of what you're saying that's what designers go through yeah constantly is this thing but you can just go well that's what i'm giving you and that's what you're getting yeah you know, you can do that. That's there's a certain kind of designer that you they do that. It's kind of like the artist who paints a picture, and somebody says, "Well, I don't like that line there. I can don't buy it." Yeah, don't buy it. Yeah, hold your line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just stay right where you are. And and similarly, in um, you know, when you're saying like you start stacking the reasons not to do something or not to continue. You know, yeah. like it, 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 all those pieces, those stories start to come in. Don't like the light. Don't like this. Don't like that. Mm. That's that same parallel of uncertainty or self-belief maybe. Yeah, well, I think it's there's a lot of the times there's basic psychological, scientific, universal laws at play. It's like I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times before. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where your where your attention goes is where your energy flows and what you focus on becomes your fucking everything. Yes. And it doesn't take much. Like thoughts, we get a thought every three seconds, whether we like it or not, whether you're, you know, fucking yeah. meditating the eucalyptus tree in the backyard who knows it doesn't matter they they're coming in and these thoughts will either contaminate or contribute to what you're doing and it mm. again, it's it's that it's a it's a perceptual thing we get to decide whatever the fuck it means and that's one of the great things about being human i think in so that's when you go your perspective and then that's your decision you're getting to decide what it means 100% I've got a friend, like very, very quickly, very short story, got quite advanced cancer. And that mm -hmm. happened uh, probably about a year ago now. And when she first came sliding in the door, it was the beginning of the end. And like I, I have never experienced a life-threatening illness or disease before. So, I, you know, all I can do is empathize. I can try and walk a few miles in her shoes. What would this be like? Um, especially when you're healthy and you're fit, mm -hmm. like this would be fucking shit. Like this is mm. this 
really shit, right? And so, and it was. It felt like the beginning of the end. Um, life as we know it is changing for this person. Fast forward, and bit of an overachiever too, in a good way. Went out and did everything. You name it, F- fucked off the meat and fucking into the alkaline water and we're, we're huffing and puffing and we're bending and stretching and we're ice bathing and we're fucking meditating. We're not drinking alcohol. We're not we're, we're not working as much. We're take, alleviating the stress. I, I was brought on board to support with the positive psychology side of things. So fast forward 12 months and beaten the cancer, not out of the woodwork. I think after five years, they... If yeah, we, give you a clear ticket. Yep. Yeah, ticket. So haven't had that, but the doctors and you know to almost quote the email that she received and forwarded to me, we have never and never at SKU Sunshine Coast yep. Hospital seen this before, and basically referring to the the degeneration of the tumors and things like that but and and, and i'll be honest like she, she was doing everything conventional medicine plus you know go yeah, to holistic medicine mind, everything mind you name it but the point i'm getting to is if she walked it or if she hopped onto this podcast right now she would sit here and tell the both of us that getting cancer was the greatest thing that ever happened to her yeah wow so we've gone from fucking tears. Just everything, the total breakdown of life. The wheels just didn't wiggle and gently fall mm. off. They went fucking flying. They came right off. Yeah. They came right off down Nicklin Way, fucking yeah. in, down the road. Gone. Two was the best thing that ever happened to me. And wow. healthy, wow. blah, 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 blah. So perspective is a powerful, powerful thing. When I yeah. often ask people to challenge their thinking as a really simple tool it's it's almost like if your listeners can be bothered i highly recommend it is if you've got a bit of pen and paper i like pen and paper because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. type it in shit but there's a disconnect when mm-hmm. you're typing there's a disconnect when we've got it's pen interesting paper, um one of my friends is um lmp's the body of english ah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. so And Alan will quote stats on the difference between taking a pen and paper and writing something, the number of neural pathways it uses versus typing something. And he will say constantly, "Wow, write this down. Because of, yeah, because that the increased number of neural pathways it activates is it, it, it gives you more memory. Well, it's psychosomatic. Just... There's a mind-body connection <clears throat> because of the holding the pen, writing it down, looking yep. at it. And, yeah, like Alan Pease is saying, there, yeah. there would no doubt be neural path. But it's why people talk about journaling, gratitude journaling. 100%. The same thing. That, so yeah. Do it because, yeah, it'll integrate. Actually, it, it actually feeds something in the system. Well, it influences our neurology, so it's going to influence our nervous system by mm. by doing that. As soon as we add technology, laptop, phone, iPad, there we put a disconnect, which is why Zoom is obviously great and helped us through the pandemic and a lot of these other platforms. But it doesn't beat sitting um, face-to-face it somewhere. Not correct. Eating custard on the sofa. Well, that's right. Watching <laughs> with one of your mates. 
Totally exactly. And the scary parts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting concept about what we think, but I, I think even, even thinking about what we think, thinking about our thoughts, yeah. challenging the abnormal, illogical thinking, because a lot of it is. A lot of it is, and not saying that people are not normal, oh. but when your thinking is abnormal or illogical, we can challenge it. I can sit here and go, what the fuck? That doesn't make sense. Well, go, this kind of takes me to that point where we've all got two voices in our heads. You know, we've got the one that says, don't be a dickhead. And we've got the one that says, you, you're going okay, mate. Like, keep, yeah, keep, keep going. going buddy. Yeah, yeah, keep, keep going. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. other one's going, you look like an absolute cockhead at the moment. So what the hell are you doing? Yeah. You know, well, stop well, doing well, it. That, yeah. that's, that, that's that background and foreground, you know, and, and changing the language on it, like, and changing programming yourself uh, because you're programming something that doesn't know real from, from not real. Well, that's right. And and the, 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 the fundamental basics of cognitive behavioral therapy, which I'm a practitioner in CBT, is that how we think directly affects how we feel or our emotions. Yep. Now, feelings and emotions then influence our actions, our language or behavior. So we've got to have a we've got to have a thought first. Yeah. It's got to pass through here before anything else happens. Now, there are other different models of psychotherapy and psychoanalysis that will challenge that. And you know, this is the thing about psychology. A lot of it's theory-based. Yeah. That are just fucking brilliant for challenging illogical thinking and here's a and and try this later on adrian like and even for your listeners if you have something in your past <clears throat> that you regret or a negative experience or something you feel shame for i remember at school shame shame no you're mm-hmm. right. oh you feel shame for um guilt remorse like and we've all and this is the thing there's 4009 attributes in a human 4009 human attributes Dr. Yeah. John D. Martin, uh researched it leader in behavioral science and many other things 4009 and we are all of those things all of the time so when people you know those people oh you know honesty is my number one value i'm integral trustworthy you know they're the big generally the biggest bullshitters that you've ever come across that they've got to tell you <laughs> That they're fucking honest. <laughs> like we are dishonest, we are honest. We are cruel, we are kind. We yep. love, we hate, and we do all of these things all of the time. Yes, there is a difference between malicious, nasty, manipulative. Lies. Well, it depends what side you're playing from for the most of the time. Correct. Mm. Or you know, and then there's the little white lies like putting fucking your photos on Instagram through 652 filters. I like sepia. That, that makes me... <laughs> I'm best like, in sepia. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> if you fucking wake up like that, do you look like that at six in the morning? And fucking old mate's like, oh, you don't understand. Not quite. <laughs> Not quite. Yeah, but the, tr- the reality is we are all things all of the time. <clears throat> but when when it comes to thinking, right, and we think, or we, we think about something in the past and that we regret, it's as simple as writing two columns. So this is back to what we were meant to be writing down. Yeah, sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, so no. Back, yeah. So right. Regret, yeah. shame, yeah. Fucking guilt, remorse, negative experience. Go back yep. to it and go back to all of the things that you feel, that you saw, that you heard. Go back to that moment right back there. 
And generally speaking, if it's something of a what we call a subjective bias, so it's subjectively negative, yep. shit, you can do it for the other. Um, Carl Jung used to call it the golden, the golden shadow. So you've got shadow and then golden shadow, which is the positive. Uh-huh. So it can work either way. Some if you're feeling really good about I love it. that golden shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Not golden shower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That could be in the negative resource part, yeah. <laughs> I felt Depending very on how it went for you. Yeah, I'm yeah. very ashamed of getting piddled on. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. back to the, the event, right? And in the event, list down all the negatives. Like I, I think about I've done a ton of dumb shit in my past. Oh, I yeah. go through a fucking number of things. God, fuck, how long is a fucking piece of string? Yeah. So I go back and I get 20 shit things. I felt this, I did this, and even, you know, did it affect the, the inus and the weenus? Was there somebody else there? Was it me and other? Was it one and many? Who were these people? Or was it just me? So I list down the 20 negative things. The thing is, we will be conscious of the subjectivity. So we will be conscious of one part. I am consciously aware, and I can tell Adrian that I was a really ashamed of myself when I got drunk and pissed on my mother-in-law's curtains in her lounge. So I was ashamed. I was remorseful. I was embarrassed. I had to clean it up. No, like I, yeah. I, I list 20 things, right? So yeah. I'm consciously aware. Whether I like it or not, there are an equal amount, because this is the dichotomy of the universe and of the world, the equilibrium, the equality, the duality. There is an equal amount of positives. For pissing on that curtain. Yeah. You can think of the worst possible thing. There is an equal amount of positives because both sides must be present. They have to be present. Right. Can't have one without the other. So if I take the time with a pen and paper, to quote Alan Pease and what yeah. is it? Yeah. Pen and paper, and I go and I write those, my subjective view, my subjective bias will become more objective. I will see both sides. It will dissolve the illogical, abnormal, negative thinking. It will turn the dial down on the heat that that sort of emotional response has. Yeah, gotcha. So it will die. I've lost you then. Jamie, have I lost you? Guys, I might have lost Jamie there. Uh, Yep, he's coming back though. His uh, video is on its way back. Jamie, lost you. Back, brother. Yeah, just uh, it died there. Yeah, are we back? Are we still back yep. on? Or- yep, yeah, we're still there. Yep, cool. So, okay, I marked the time. Oh, well done, mate. Polished. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what I was saying is if we list it all down, <clears throat> yeah, and you so if, if we put in our negative or our shadow side, I like that Carl Jung thing really, and then the golden shadow on the other side, 
we've yeah. listed our the the things you know sh- ashamed embarrassed remorseful you know like um find we find all the positives and we bring those to consciousness because we will be unconscious or unaware of the other side not everyone like the sort of the the woke evolved yep. expanded awareness people they may see both sides mm-hmm. uh, people that have an objective view but majority of us will have a bias right and we've got these incurably pessimistic motherfuckers that are just negative fucking nellies about everything yes, everything yeah they will struggle but it's one of those things you, people can choose to do it or not do it well you and i don't yeah. care we'll go and surf yeah. Makes no difference. Yeah. But couldn't yeah. give a us. But if you want to enjoy life, see the beauty in pretty much most things, having that objective view is a fucking superpower. Yes. Especially, especially for feeling shit about things in our past. We can take turn the dial down. It will dissolve that negative emotion, that 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 heat that it has on it when you realize that even in the worst fucking situations there's an equal amount of positives so you kind of want it to be really shit the shitter it is the the bigger the positive the more awesome it, yeah right so if we well go, that's like your friend with the cancer going fuck, so i've got great this great example yeah and now i've got what i've gained in my year of self-awareness mm-hmm. and it, it is yeah, it's so powerful. Yeah, but even in the future, mate, like even thinking about <clears throat> designers, the creatives in the world, these people, like you, we, we, it's a bit like surfing, you know, it's like judging a, a surfing competition. It's open to subjectivity. People are going to sit yep. back and judge. It's yep. fucking, and you've got all these different perspectives judging to find an aggregate, to find a, yep. a yep. common thread. And but the thing is, you know, it's most important what you think and feel about whatever how you is. how you went. Well, yeah, the, yeah, I mean, that's like when we were started right at the very start. Like, and I was saying, oh, you know, the different world records you hold, and you know, there's the ones that you don't hold mm. that you went for. Yeah, and out of those, you learn something from every one of those that either um, you could take as being a loss or a gain. That's right. You know, and either way, there's um, you've you've still done the journey. Yeah, and it's both of those things. Yeah, I lost yeah. a lot and I gained a lot. It's, yeah, it's equal. And it's just one of those things. I think it's it's deciding, like with the, this is just a tool, but it's yeah. but it's a cool tool, and it's one that I often use just in my head because I've done it heaps. I think about mm. Mm. so you'll throw it you'll throw it together rather than necessarily writing yeah. it down. And yep. especially if I, like, even if I talk about this podcast and I reflect later on, I think, oh, fuck, I could have fucking talked about that with Adrian. His listeners would have loved that. Yep. And I start to feel a little bit like, oh, fuck, I missed the boat on that one. Could have been. But then I think, hold on a second. But what are the positives? Well, the positives are we talked about some really cool shit. Some other stuff. Yeah. Catch up with a mate. And, yep. it, and it does. It just dissolves this weird emotional roller coaster. Now, it does not mean that we're just neutral and we're fucking tepid and we're flaccid and we're boring. Yeah. It's like, no, not at all. It it influences the effect 
that it has over us. And when you talk about triggers and traumas and shit from our past, it's like who's fucking sick of shit getting dropped in our lap right here, right now yes. from our past from 15 years ago, fucking up my now. I want to yeah. go. I don't want to sit yeah. here and roll around in my shit. I clean that shit off with the gurney. Yeah, like, it's, a, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's dealt with. It's yeah. dealt with. I've but moved it, on. But in the highly unlikely event I shit myself again, metaphorically speaking, I now have my own little psychological gurney. I can be yeah. like, uh-huh, here we go again. Now it's warm yeah, it's- and chilly. I'm like, hmm, there's a bit of comfort. Not for long. Not <laughs> for long. Now it's starting to stink. It's yeah. like, where's the gurney? I'm going to clean this shit up. <clears throat> and, but- and being having perspective to recognize that as well as the other thing that's um you know go back to you said there were the three things you know perspective decisions and actions and you know like you got the you get the perspective of something and then you make a decision about how long you're going to sit in it and then the action is is are you going to gurney it off or aren't you going to gurney it off and you know adversity arrives every day in some way in our life that we have to make a decision over and I certainly know in my life I there's always something that I go oh am I I I love to question myself on am I being reactive or am I making a choice Mm. um and slowing down because it would be really easy to just be reactive slowing down and going oh let's make a choice and yeah. uh when i get to do that rather than um just jumping at things and then got to worry about whether it just becomes perturbation and i don't do anything at all yeah because that meant that it was even more comfortable than um making a decision yeah <laughs> if he goes out with the bathwater fuck this i'm out yeah i'm out yeah it's um it's fascinating when it comes to um i want to talk about when it comes to like achieving big goals so you set yourself up all the time to achieve big goals that's part of who you are or who you've become Mm. is to and with endurance endurance like you actually love to put yourself through the endurance of something and I, I often think when people come to us and they say to me, um, you know, can we design, can you design us our, our home? And to throw kind of words around legacy homes or dream homes, you know, it's uh, they're seeing it as may, maybe being a one-off thing uh, or they're seeing it with a long, long scope. I'm currently designing a, a home uh, where it will be kind of locked in the family generationally. Mm, And uh, so that's a legacy home that somebody's wanting to create for beyond them. You know, it's that they're planting a tree that the future will sit under, not them. They'll sit under it too, but when they're gone, then there'll be more people who get to sit under that tree. (laughs) And they'll, in that going in that journey of designing that, I know that we could draw something, you know, in a day or two and that could be it. Or you could also draw something that might take us six, eight months to finalise because it's a journey of discovery for them and for me because I have to discover them to get along on that journey. And 
you know, there's the perspective of my will and their will and then the will of the land and the will of the environment in that space. Mm -hmm. So there's all these perspective points and then regulations as well. And then we go from that to making some decisions around that. And we're doing that with the information we have. And we've got to get more constantly with searching for nuances and information, not just big broad pieces. Mm. And then we take the actions of that. Mm. And in a design journey, it's that same thing. So, what I've loved from what you've just been talking about was this, um, the shadow and the golden shadow was this point of going, okay, so there's always some kind of compromises with any design. There's, um, you know, for example, you want to feel connected to the earth, maybe it might be a number one thing. A, what does that mean for you as a person? And um, B, can we actually deliver that within the design structure? Because the other thing we're trying to do with every house that we do is disconnect you from what nature would really do and give you a place of comfort and safety within that nature. Yeah. You know, and we take a perfectly good piece of land and fuck it up by putting a, a house on it. It wasn't designed to have a house on it ever. It was just designed to be a piece of nature. But we take a perfectly good piece of it and we put a house on there. So we somewhat, not necessarily permanently change it, but we alter it yeah. permanently from what it was. It will get some sense of alteration. And what is, what's the perspective and the decisions and the actions we take with that? I love this thought of going, okay, here's the minuses and here's the pluses. Yeah. And um, shifting that from an emotional state, if I do this to this piece of land, what am I leaving? What's So I know I'm going to damage it. What am I going to add to it? How am I going to make that a better, how am I going to add the, the value to it? If I do this, um, I often think, you know, with a house, especially a home, um, <laughs> in discovering the humans that are going to live in it, the first humans that we're designing it for, yeah, we get into so many little nuances about their behavior and their behavior has been formed in this moment up from their past. And like you said, you can put the dots together going backwards, very hard to put them together going forwards, but we're trying to predict them going forwards Absolutely. to yeah. see how this behavior will be um, uh, nurtured would be the word I'm looking for, how, how we can nurture this behavior because right now that, the behavior is the accumulation of the past and it feels good. How do we get to go forward with that and create better moments going forward or as good moments going forward? And there's always compromises in that because what I do for you doesn't necessarily suit the other person. Yeah. And then we've got to find these balances. And depending on which way we swing a door as to where we position a light switch or a light or how a window is faced, um, or whether it opens or closes, and whether it opens, you know, louvered style or awning style or up and down casement style, will determine how you will use it and live. Mm. And it could change that room dramatically um, to be easy to live in or hard to live in. Yeah. 
just by those choices that we're making as we're going through this journey of discovery. Mm. And one of them is, is, you know, like they come to people to design because there's a level of expertise and knowledge that you've gained in this. The real journey is, is understanding the human that's going to live in it <laughs> yeah. is, is the real journey because then you're designing it for someone. And yes, you're going to deal with the environment and all those things as well, but ultimately you're designing it for a, a bunch of humans that are going to live in it. And then if they sell it or it gets passed on to another generation or whatever, they're going to have different drivers and emotions and needs in that same space. So, yeah, I don't know whether I've answered any questions for myself. (laughs) (laughs) You just tied me in a fucking knot, Jamie. We've bent bent each other's minds, Adrian. (laughs) I'm allowed to do that on a Friday. It's 2022. (laughs) It's a new year. It's a new year in a few days. We'll be fine. We'll come through it. We'll be fine. We'll get away with it. Um, That's cool. I've got I've got some questions I want to ask you around um, spaces mm-hmm. because of having mindset um, a developed mindset and and being on a journey of I'm talking about you not me um, yeah. <laughs> um, having your you know you call it your mind gym and I love that I, I think that's really powerful like it's a mind gym it's actually with purpose and all the rest. But having developed that and being on that constant journey of doing it, if we were to look at um, this going to be personal to you, your favourite space in your home. Yeah. And what I'm looking for is in that favourite space, A, where is it? And what emotion does it bring to you and what does that emotion allow you to do yeah from that space he <laughs> says it he's sitting there going yep 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 like he's super confident he's got this oh, shit. So confident. Oh, he? go for it man favorite space is there any kids that listen to this <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> in case just in case um look my favorite space is in the bathroom in the shower and for a number of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into all of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so hold on. First of all, it's the shower. It's your favorite space in your whole home. Yeah. If you, if you, <laughs> and I'm good with that. Yeah. Okay, cool. I love that. And before we tell a story with it, I want to know what emotion, if you had to choose one or two emotional words, the shower summer sums up the shower for you. Calm. Calm. Yep. So it's fair to say, before I just roll out a, a short story, it's fair <laughs> to say that we make <laughs> that we make we all make good decisions when we're calm. When we, mm-hmm. we are focused when we're calm. We get clarity when we're calm. We do really good shit, no pun intended, when we're calm. The dichotomy, the contrast of that is overwhelm, stress, chaos, disorder. Who makes good decisions when they're fucking stressed? Clearly not Putin. Yeah. Yeah, clearly not. And you think about the last time, you know, you we were you were in a and even your listeners, you're in an adverse, stressful environment. We've both got mutual 
uh, yeah. Frank McAndrews, who was a commando. In the, in the, <laughs> yeah, like the sniper. Who, yeah. who makes good decisions when bullets are whistling past your head? Like said, fucking no one ever. Or maybe yeah. Nicholas, but maybe some other people. Well, he probably makes some very calculated decisions. Yeah. Well, you know, like true. extremely calculated decisions. And he would be calm. I he, was about to say, <laughs> yeah. Take he's, that dial and go yeah. down to calm. Yeah. So keep your head because if you don't keep your head, you're going to lose it. Uh, and what did Rudyard Kipling say? Keep your head when all those around you uh, are losing it and blaming it on you. His poem. Yeah, right. Anyway, I digress. So <laughs> the shower, the shower is for me. One, unless I'm getting funky in the shower, no fucker can get to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's your own space. My own space. I can. I'm a little omnivert. I'm a highly introverted extrovert. So I, I like my own. So I can go out and party and I can be with people and I can socialize, but then I want to slither away. Back. Big recharge, yeah. I want to go and tuck myself away in my cave, get my shit together, have a chat to myself, think about my thoughts, and then I'm going to come out again and party. So I go into my shower and in there I meditate. I do breath work in the shower. I know they highly, 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 highly recommend you don't do breath work in water, but I'm like, I'm going to take a calculated risk. I don't know. <laughs> I'm standing no up. Yeah, fuck you lot. No one's lost <laughs> me. You don't know my life. Yeah, yeah wouldn't half eat your heart out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I sit in the shower. I got a spa bath, jacuzzi shower. I put the plug in and I let the water come up. And I do that every single fucking day. And I have done for the better part of seven years, easily seven years. I first started to try and meditate. I love that word, try. Yeah. I was giving it a crack. When I was about eight or ten, and and I watched a movie, The Big Blue, which was about French freediver, loved it. Oh right, yep, yep. And I watched him, and he was meditating, and I was thinking, oh yeah, I want a bit of that. So I had a crack at it, and I, I, you know, did I meditate? Did I not? I don't know, but I, the intent was there. But that's where I do my my deepest thinking. That's where I downregulate my system. And I sit in the bottom of the shower, I close my eyes, I huff and puff, I meditate, I spend 20, 25 minutes in there, and I find a peace, I find relaxation, I find quiet, I find calm. And in my little peanut primate orangutan brain, I could be at the bottom of a fucking waterfall in Vanuatu. Anywhere, yeah. Anywhere, yeah. the Pyrenees, yeah. in the mountains, I could be, doesn't matter. And that's my favorite space. And I love it. What does that having that favorite space allow you to do for others? Well, it makes me the best version of myself because I I can I can be really full on and I can be insatiably enthusiastic, and that can be a bit infectious. I can fucking come into a room and spin the fucking thing upside down and have people doing dumb shit and, <laughs> and stuff. So it's important for me to, to down-regulate and to, you know, look for that calm. So then I can be the best version for myself, the Inus, yes. and then I can be the best version for the weenus. Yeah. So for me and then we or myself and then others, yeah. my children get the best version of me, you know, my community get the best version of me, 
it's this ecological fucking it, it mate it starts in the fucking shower this ecological fucking effect just that blows out from you ripples out sunshine coast queensland <clears throat> world. It's processional yeah that's right the pre- the precision effect the processional effect of me sitting in my little shower doing mm. some work sometimes i play with my boats because i wasn't in the navy but <laughs> <laughs> But I, I know. Oh, actually, yeah. <laughs> but, so yeah, showers, my space. I love that. I love that. It's a, it's really interesting. Like I asked this question of quite a few people, mm-hmm. and uh, in getting their answers, um, I get quite a few that uh, you know, like being closer to nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you just did then was you actually. As you said, you could be sitting under a waterfall in Vanuatu. You can take yourself, your mind to anywhere when yeah. you give yourself that space and that becomes a somewhat sacred space. You're creating a sacred space and you're creating ritual and habit with it as well. So another thing with that would be, because you're a very disciplined kind of fella, um, well, you're very driven to to getting uh, to goals and um giving to others as well with it one of the questions i'd like to ask there is if you have a morning routine Mm -hmm. what is it and how do you manage to keep that morning routine going when you do these massive challenges in your life and stuff and i mean I could tell you so many stories about what Jamie's done, um, you know, like running halfway across Australia, running from one end of England to another end of England, you know, things like this and challenges that he does that he raises money for, you know, um, for dementia awareness, isn't it? And these kinds of things. So you can do your research on that. We'll put some stuff in the show notes on that. Um, But when you, you go and do something like this and you've got to take yourself out of your, current your, your daily routine um a first of all what's your morning routine and then b how do you control your mind when you don't have the luxury of just having those things lined up and you put yourself in adverse and conditions yeah cool really good question so morning routine is pretty simple it and yeah you are right it is very um it's flexibly regimented so mm. what is um you know has a structure um it's, it's become very organic so don't panic it's organic it, it's it's um it's something be, for the greens everywhere yeah yeah have a durry in a hurry no anyway <laughs> no we don't do that so um yes uh as soon as i wake up so I don't check my so phones in another room. I don't check my phone until the routine's done. So bathroom, get up, uh, coffee, black coffee, jumpstart the engine. I have a pint, my favourite pint glass of lemon water, um, cold-pressed beetroot juice with ginger, chilli, lime and carrot. Uh, you do coffee, pint of lemon water and... I know, yes. A juice. Yeah. And that and I talk to the rot wheeler of my dog. Yeah. She'll go get to chat. 
She's oh, got okay. sage advice. She yep. tells me things I, that I don't see and things that I don't even realize here, there, everywhere. She tells me cool stuff. So I get some advice from her. And then after that, I go and get the phone, clear the bells and whistles, have a look at the day. My diary, default diary, is very prioritized. I have a system with that. That's another big story. But um, I have, you know, top priorities and then it's a sliding scale. So I do the shit thing first every day, the most difficult thing. Yeah. Uh, I remember an old mate who wrote that book about eating the frog. But, uh, yeah, anyway, can't remember that. But start with the hard thing. But then I go and do my breath work and meditation in the shower. So you clear that other stuff first. Fucking done. And where do you do that? So in the that's kitchen, out, in the living room, out outside? The yeah, out in the, the kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. There with the dog for sort of 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and then the, the breath work. And then, I, then there'll be exercise. Right. And that just fucking d- depends. I do have a bit of a life by design in the sense that I I start my day with my core values and my core values are health and fitness of my mind and my body, mm-hmm. my business, um, and you know my like my family. So I I I start my day with that before I even go into work. I, I all of this is done. I start work at ten a.m. Now I used to start obviously really early in the morning, but now I start at 10. So all of the shit that I truly, truly love and is of high importance and high priority to me, yep. I do first. And that sets me up and I come out swinging. So what time do you start? Uh, so generally about five. So I don't about have it. About 5 a.m. Yeah. It's open. The birds start fucking chirping. I'm yep. good. And <clears throat> so, so you like, might do five hours of... Um... By the time you've arrived at, at work, yeah, you've probably you've you've spent five hours of your day priming, getting yeah. the main shit done, um, mm. and you're ready for whatever the rest of the day holds. Yeah, and then I'll see my clients from ten till four thirty. Yep, and then and then done. When when I'm not in my environment, I I maintain the status quo. Like I and like you had referred to the some of the big runs that I've done. Yeah, ran from Melbourne to the Sunshine Coast. <clears throat> How far is that? Two thousand kilometers. Okay, so just so uh, for, I'm doing that for the Americans. We have a large American audience. Okay, two thousand so kilometers. Marathons a day. How many? <laughs> 2,000 kilometres is how many miles? Uh, so there's 1. 1. Is it 1,300 sort of miles or something? 3,600? No. 4,000? No. No, it's less than it. Okay. So 2,000 kms has got to be, I'll just do it on my calculator. Yeah, yeah right. around 1,300 miles. So that was 80Ks a day for 18 days. So 30, 36 marathons in 18 days. Yeah, right. So I'd get up and do my shower routine <clears throat> in the morning. Yep. Um, and that, yeah, and that, and that's what's up. Because the thing is, there's so many leaders, spiritual, uh, business, political, like a lot of the movers and shakers, um, throughout time, have all said the same thing. They're all singing from the same song sheet. If you want, yeah. if you want answers, solutions, fucking insights to our lives, you're going to find them in solitude. We're mm. the experts of our own lives. 
Nobody's going to tell you anything like you're the expert. Adrian is the expert of Adrian's life. Mm. I can't chime in and go, hey, fucking Adrian, just just as a just as a bit of advice, mate. You might want to do like it's not gonna, it's not gonna ride. You might take some on its merit. You might go, fuck, that's not a bad suggestion. But at the end of the day, Adrian's gonna be Adrian. So yeah. in solitude, like the amount of shit that I've come up with in my in my shower <laughs> is fucking like it's un- unbelievable. It's, it's, an, it's infinite. Yep. There are an infinite amount of opportunities that we can find in solitude. Mm. It's just sometimes we don't like what we hear or what we conceptualize. We'll be like, oh, fuck, I don't like that, even though it's probably the one thing we need to do. But then that comes back to perspective, decisions, and actions. Absolutely. <laughs> but I give my, I care enough about myself and others to do this. And mm. that's the question. Do people give a shit enough? Do you care enough about yourself to allow yourself this this luxury, this this gift of time to 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 yeah to do? To do. I, I think it's really fascinating, um, you know, that you go. So I can give back to everybody else between, and you're doing some of it before then, but you know, from ten a.m. on, and at from five till 10 um, you are taking the time to set yourself up for success for yourself which then in turn gives success to others and means that you can deliver on your dreams and goals for them and they can then deliver on their dreams and goals 100%. and it, look the one of the reasons that um I was talking to you about the, that favorite space is because it you're so you are disciplined and you um beyond just being disciplined you you've lived a life of what that gives you in return and what it allows you to create and do yeah. for for yourself and for others mm. and finding that space that actually nurtures you and then going, how can we elevate a space like that? And it may not need any elevation. It may be that, you know, you have that perfect space. And that's why I said to you, well, what do you do when you're doing these challenges? But you still allow yourself to do those things yeah. because it gets you through those challenges. Yeah, that's right. And it gets gives me allows me to have we talked about it earlier that objective view mm. if i if i don't I, I i can be at the mercy of you know external influence we we're all human we all you sure. know media yeah. ideologies yeah. whatever um but when when i find if i just allow myself that time i can i can reflect i can yeah do little you know challenge things that have come up mm. What's the benefits? What's the setbacks? But if I didn't allow myself that time, fucking hell, I'd be all over the shop. I'd be here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, so, yeah. So that, that's that's the the true benefit for me um, of having of having that that time, caring enough to to make that time. So there's some things that um, it brought up that I I especially because it was the shower space and the shower space has been. Uh, it's it's a place of renewal, a place of cleansing. It's a yeah place of self care, 
it's you know it, it's all that in a shower space and often it is a very um get it done space like and yet you're going i'm going to take time to to do that which i think is brilliant pretty odd minutes <laughs> yeah oh yeah you know, the water bill but whatever you know yeah yeah, um, yeah. For, oh, for what you're spending on it, somebody else is saving. Don't worry. Um, oh, there we go. <laughs> Dichotomy. Oh, Absolutely. I can all day have a I think that one of the things that um, happens with that is we've got a lot of technology currently being um, put into the shower space. So... Yeah. What was once the humble, you know, bucket of water over the head um, or running hose is now, for example, um, steam shower. So we take a shower box and we will uh, make it a, make it a steam room. So you can shower in there and use it as a steam room. The latest one that, oh, I'll go back on that a little bit. We add aromatherapy to it. We add music to it. We add lighting to it all these things so that it makes it more of a calm space and that you know that calmness emotion a calm space a renewal and refreshing you know there's showers that you can do where it mists you with cold um mist yeah. at the end of a shower the latest one that I, i've got a very good friend who um has a company called geyser and he imports into Australia and New Zealand lots of showers and uh, shower technology as well as uh, saunas and things like this. And he was telling me that there's a new one, which is a snow shower. Oh. So what happens is, is that you can have it snow in your shower box. So when you're thinking of, you know, A, what the physicality of that does, yeah. Um, yeah, and we go back to, you was talking before about breath work and stuff, and we haven't even touched on any of that, but those kinds of things, um, when we do that, and then you go, you know, the volumes of water and the, the, the way that water is temperate and the way the temperatures of it change, and then we can add steam to the same space, we can do all these different things. It is an amazing um, focus of wellness. Yeah that is being designed into the space and we're still at very, whilst it's been happening for many years, we are still at a very infant sort of stage of it when you look at where we are in house design and in residential design of supporting people with these things. Your story of saying, you know, 20, 25 minutes in there, to meditate, to do your breath work, to set up your day, to do all these pieces that make uh, your calmness and, and centre you and put you in line. I think it was really brilliant. And when when you look at when you look at the fact of what we're doing with that space, because it has the ability to do that mm. from from separating it from everybody else. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, I love it. I'm yeah, excited about these new showers. <laughs> yeah, mate. Well, I was going to say as one last question, tell me what you would have in your perfect shower. And one of the things that you said is, is you know, it sits over a bath in your case so that you can actually put the plug in and let it fill with water Yeah, as well. Well, that kind of justifies my um, 
wouldn't, I wouldn't call it guilt, but when you talk about water usage yeah. and stuff, that, I think, well, some people have a fucking bath every day. And by the time my 20 minutes is up, it's actually at a bath level. Yeah. So it's not like, and and in a weird type of way, but I find it comforting. You know, I, yeah. we, and I are the same. We're watermen. I love the yep. water. Yeah. And it's my, little, it's my little space. So, yeah. Hey, it, it, I think, yeah. It, it, uh, I think it's really brilliant. You know, again, if I was designing something for you, I'd be going, okay, how do I satisfy all those needs? And then how do I add the, you know, another level of magic to it? And whether it even needs that, it doesn't because you've already put that magic in your mind yeah. and you've adapted the space. And whether you're there or whether you're in a motel on the side of you know some highway waiting yeah. to go and run another marathon that day um, is that next point of you know what you're doing um you you already got that in your mind and that's where the mind gym comes in along with the physical gym yeah mm. love awesome. it mate awesome conversation buddy oh, um, yes. yeah look i'm going to post all jamie's socials and stuff like that and we will tell you how to get hold of jamie if you have questions for jamie please write in to us uh there's an email address there that will be on the talkdesign.show website um, and we will make sure that Jamie answers your questions for you. He'll be, if you want to reach out and understand more about what he can do with his mind gym as well as his physical gym to improve your health and well-being and fitness and your mental agility and fitness and your mental health, um, Jamie's an expert in this area and I can guarantee you that if you are open to the change and the learning, Jamie will take you on a journey that will give you perspective, allow you to make decisions and take great actions in your life. And in, that, in doing that, you will influence others uh, to live better lives along with yourself. Jamie, you're a champion, man. You are a champion, my brother. Thank you so much for your time today, Adrian. Much love to you, bro. Yeah, cheers, buddy. Thank you so much. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, well, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, 
they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.